clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. And welcome to our church. Friends, this is going to be good. That's what that says. All right, obviously I'm not Jimmy, but uh, he is in Beaumont today. And so uh, we're, we're, we had to be two places at one time. So you have me. So anyway, uh, we welcome you. We're glad you're here. You could be anywhere because it's a absolutely gorgeous day here at the beach. It's days like today you say, yeah, yeah. This works, and another month or so, maybe not. So, anyway, we're glad you're here. We don't take up an offering here at Crystal Beach Community Church, but uh, we have a box in the back. And soon we're going to have QR codes on the back of your seat, so you can just snap it with your phone, and that'll help, because, like, who even writes checks anymore? So so that'll be a lot lot easier to, to do. So we're working on that. We're always working on something. How about that parking lot with stripes on it? Yeah. It, it's very hard for me to uh, park in that spot. I mean, a, in a stripe at all because I'm a little rebellious. I want to do something a little weird. But today I follow the rules and parking. And that new entrance is mind-blowing that you can just come off 87 and pull right in with a double entrance. It's just, And then I have a big sign there, right? No, we're going to have a big sign there. Okay, yeah, our, our sign maker back there is going, yeah, we're going to have a big sign where those two big pilings are up. So we're still rocking and rolling here at Crystal Beach Community Church. So we have some announcements. Um, at play them slow. If you're a kid between two years old and third grade, it's time for you to go to class right now. Um, hopefully those are, yeah, teen scene. That's a little different slides than what I had, but we're good. Slow the roll down just a little bit. Thank you. Stop. All right. Starting again, Feb- uh, Friday, 11-12. Season 2 for The Chosen is going to be shown back here. Season 2. We've been waiting on this. So we're, uh, Lonnie and Art are going to teach us. Uh, they're writing curriculum because I don't think it even came with curriculum on season two. But we're excited that Friday, every Friday for six weeks, we're going to hang out here and, and watch the movies together. If you've not watched season one, uh, you know, watch it. And then season two is going to be exciting. Next thing we have is um, we have the Thanksgiving service. The Ministerial Alliance on the, on the peninsula all come together for one service. And we're very excited that it's going to be here uh, and hosted by all the Ministerial Alliance. But we're going to be the host church. It's good to see you. You're not working. You're like right here with your new job. Go ahead, girl. And uh, November 21st. Okay, listen close to this announcement. Leave it on this for a while. We are in the planning stages of having a Main Street Bethlehem right here. So this will be um, on 12-11, December the 11th. You would actually park your car and walk through Main Street, Bethlehem. We'll have all kinds of booths and nativity scene, bakeries, pottery, tax collector, weaver. We need tons of help with this. 
We, we will need about 40 to 50 people in full costume. I know this is aggressive. This was a, uh, Wanda's, uh, vision. And so if you're interested and need to know more about this, Wanda's going to be in the back talking to you about the details. If we're not able to get this kind of, uh, volunteers here, we will downscale and do something differently this year and ramp up and be ready for it next year. So when we're, when we have a little time to do this, so see Wanda in the back, sign up, volunteer. Yes. You need anything? Raise your hand. That's Wanda. Okay. Next we have the soup kitchen. Now last, for years we've had the soup kitchen where we had soup and we, we put it in bowls and we deliver it everywhere. On Saturdays, we open the church from 11 to one and people come in and have soup. I mean, how awesome is that? It's a regular soup kitchen where you come in, sit down in the commons and eat. Uh, tell people about it. We have signs that goes on the road, but tell people about it because um, it's not well attended. I know it's not um, that cold yet, but this is a big deal. Good bowl of soup. Okay, next we have um, the men's Bible study, Thursday from 7 to 8. I think they had five or six people last week. And so this is a growing things, good, good way for men to get together also and know about the Lord. All right. We have AA here three days a week, Monday, Thursday, and Saturday from seven to eight. In fact, when we were trying to find out when we could have the chosen, we looked at our phone app and realized that every night we have something here at the church. Isn't that amazing? Every single night. So if you die or you're going to get married, we're going to have to cancel something. So... So we're good. So Monday, Thursday, Friday. We also have Al-Anon that meets here every Sunday. Big deal here. We're happy to have this at the church. Um, So the podcast on your phone, please download it. The calendar's on there. I use this every single day to know what's going on on the calendar. You can also donate through your app. You'll always have your phone, so it's just a great. You just download Share Faith. Go to Crystal Beach Community Church. And and download this app on your phone. It cha- makes life very simple. And for me, a lot simpler that you're not calling and wondering when AA is. <laughs> so you just go to your phone and that's where you're going to get that.
Dead man walking, slave to sin. I want to know about being born again. I need you. Oh, God, I need you. So take me to the riverside. Take me on to baptize. I need you. Oh, God, I need you. Your forgiveness. It's like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. It's like the sound of.
think I could have written that song. Not that I'm a songwriter, as you know. But there is nothing like your presence. Nothing like you whispering into my ear. Nothing like just your glory falling in this place. Nothing like people coming together and worshiping. God, I praise you. I thank you. I lift up this peninsula to you. Every church, every pastor, every person. Lives are being changed. Things are a little bit different. That's because who you are. Be glorified on this day, the Sabbath, and every day. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. That was a different kind of communion. We just thought we'd give it a try. So, anyway. Well, it's Halloween. (laughs) You're all in your costumes. You're looking good. (laughs) Some are scarier than others. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) The only good thing about, I can say about this day is... One quarter of all the candy sold annually in the U.S. is purchased on Halloween. That's about all I'm going to say about Halloween. I got a little bit, but I mean, I'm a Reese cup person. And I'm telling you, I'm kind of off candy and off sugar right now, but it's not because I don't go by and see it in those bags and say, you know, I live on a dead-end street, 25 feet on, in the air. Surely somebody's going to come. I might as well get these Reese cups. Oh, and also more people are buying costumes for their pets. Americans spent $490 million on costumes for their pets in 2019. Isn't that something? Just a fun fact for you. Let me tell you. I've studied uh, the origin of this holiday. I'm well aware of it. We're not going to debate about it. I don't like to dress scary. I don't like to be scared. I don't like like scary movies. I still am, uh, and my sister's probably watching, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm still warped by her stories of that man with a hook arm. I'm just saying. (laughs) And I'm still a little warped by my grandmother said, if I don't go to sleep, there's a red-eyed thing that's going to come get me. And But if we're honest, we all have something to fear. I didn't think I was fearful at all. I found that I am. Because when you find out you have COVID, like I did recently, Jimmy and I recently recovered from COVID, and your mind goes back where we first heard about it in January, and It seemed like it was really bad, and no one knew how to treat it, and I have asthma, and I was cautious, and all that. So we sat in Beaumont, and um, I had it, Jimmy had it, and we were sick. It was very sad, because we'd lost a very dear friend of ours, and it was just, all of it was just falling down on us. And one night, I was pretty sick. I couldn't breathe, and... um, I'm just going to be real. I mean, y'all are family, right? 
I mean, you're thinking I'm your preacher and I'm just going to be like, oh, but I prayed and I wasn't fearful at all and everything was good. Well, I'm just like you. I just got a text from someone said, if your oxygen levels drop before this amount, you need to do this. Well, it was. So I, um, Jimmy could detect it was going downhill. So he went downstairs and he made a call. Now, I would think that a husband would call like the doctor or, you know, people that we know and ask. And he didn't. He called a prayer warrior. And I would hope that they would say, well, I'm on my way and we're going to pray. But this mighty prayer warrior warrior says, oh, yeah, that's a spirit of fear. We're going to handle that right now. Jimmy, when you go up there, you do this. this, this, this. She has a spirit of fear. So Jimmy walks up and he says, I, I know how we're going to pray. You have a spirit of fear. I'm like, you get out of here. Because I'm like sick and I just don't want that going on right now. And I'm just being real with you. I just thought he'd come up with some kind of, we need to do this. We need to. He says, you have a, you have a spirit of fear. Okay, Mr. Churchman. Got 102 fever. I'm sick. My oxygen's dropped to 90. And, and what are we going to do? He said, we're going to attack it this way. We're going to say, I'm going to read Psalms 91. And you're going to put this meter on your hand like this. So I put the meter and it was danger zone. Jimmy opens his word and he begins to read Psalms 91. And I begin to see. 90. He kept reading. I said, Jimmy, it's not a spirit of fear. I have dadgum COVID, you know. (laughs) He's reading. 91. Second verse, 92. 93. 94. I begin to relax. Begin to breathe. I'm telling you, fear can absolute change your world. Even when you're all holy and good and wonderful. Not that I am. I'm just saying if you were. Fear. It was fear all along. This fear is replaced with faith and Satan tucks his fork and tail and he leaves. Let me tell you, I'm going to tell you this on Halloween. Fear can be part of your journey of this life, but for many of you here, I know I'm not alone in this. Fear is consuming for you. As a result, it serves as a roadblock that keeps you from entering into what God truly has for you. God provides a way for us to move well beyond that world that leaves you paralyzed. Sometimes you can function, most of the time you can function, but there are moments that you can't. In the midst of the ups and downs of this life, we know that God's love is greater than any fearful circumstances you can go through, and I knew all that. I preached it, I know it, but I'm telling you, when the spirit of fear 
comes on you, it paralyzes you. The Bible speaks to the need not to fear how many times? 600 times. 600 times. Fear keeps us from progressing and moving forward. And no one has to live like that. No one. To understand why this is true, we consider three things. The devil comes to take us out. To kill, steal, and destroy. I so wish I could stand up here and say, oh, yeah. When Jimmy came up and said, we're just going to read Psalms 91 and we're going to be well. I'd go, yes, wonderful. Mm-hmm. But when fear grips you, you begin to go in a little downhill spiral. You imagine things a lot worse than they are. Jesus came to break that power of him who holds the power of death. We're set free because Jesus' resurrection is a sign that Satan has been defeated. He has been defeated. Throughout much of the Bible, we encounter all kinds of stories who dance between fear and faith. But that continues to now, and so much fear is happening everywhere. Everywhere, about everything. My gosh, I've never seen it so bad. So much fear over so many things. In the midst of these fears, we can encounter the Jesus who is bigger than all of that. Let me remind you, fear is a powerful drug. It's a fantastic political tactic. It is a fantastic political tactic. That's being used. Because it's a wonderful, fear is a wonderful manipulator. It's an effective manipulator in some cases. But really it's, fear is a lousy religion. Christians in America come to believe that the sky is not falling. Because let me tell you, we know the person who A, spoke that sky into existence. And B, holds it in the palm of his hands in every circumstances of our life. We either operate in faith or fear. There's not really a middle there. We're either scared to death or we're like, yes, our God is awesome. Yes, he is. Everyone has their own fears. Your job, your health. Your, your finances, your kids, your, your grandkids, the fear of losing one of them, a parent. The list goes on and on and on for all of us have things that cause us to fear. Don't just sit there like you're like never fearful. Because fear, I looked at the statistics of this percentage of things fear that will never take place at all, 60%. Percentage of things fear that are considered to be insignificant at all, 90%. Percentage of things feared in relation to health that will never even happen, it will never even happen, 88%. We're called to live courageously. And how on earth do we do that? 
how do we live courageously is we have to make a choice to live differently. We need some disciplined activities in order to think differently. We have to name that fear which we struggle with and make a choice not to let that fear control you. I learned a lot being sick. I I did. I did. Fear can come on you without you even knowing it. And it will consume you in a second. As soon as you see a reading, get a call, we take that thought captive. So that can be set aside and and he has to remove the power from us. Embracing the love that casts out fear. We have to accept the truth that God is love and God loves you where we are while immersing ourselves in the truth and picking up our word. And maybe if you don't know what to read, I'm just saying read Psalms 91. Read Psalms 91 when you're fearful. Pick it up, read it. You get a call, your grandkids sick, Psalms 91. If you don't, Satan will have his way with you. Oh my God, is it this? Is it that? Is it worse than what it is? We always think it's always worse than what it is. Genuine faith is not marked by lack of any struggle or failure. The life of faith is is marked by intense struggle and frequent failure. We're in Matthew 14 today. You can turn there. Because man, man, you've heard a story a lot, but you're going to hear it. I'm going to break it down for you. In the word, I'm not dancing, I'm just saying. So, we're going to start with 14, 33. It's an incredible story that unfolds. So, here, here's how it goes down. A storm comes. Jesus walks on water. Peter walks on water. But, but there's so much stuff. Peter ends up sinking. Jesus had to save him. That's what you know. But let me tell you, there's more to this story than the headlines. In fact, we're going to dig a little deeper into this like never before. Mark and John also recorded this same story, but Matthew, the tax collector, I love reading it in his way because he's such a detailed guy anyway. He, he puts every little point in this in Matthew. For the pose, for this time, we're going to read it because I want all the details. When we read God's word, it's always important to know what was before that story. Because it kind of leads you right into the story. Let me tell you what's before this story in Matthew. It was about this little kid who brought a sack lunch. A couple of fish and some bread. And and Jesus feeds the 5,000. You know this. This is the story before this mighty story. Let me tell you, Peter was there. So he fed all the people. That's just not all the people he fed. That word just said 5,000. Didn't count all the other people that he fed. But let me tell you something pretty amazing. They had leftovers, remember? And I've said this before that they had baskets of leftovers. 
How many baskets did they have? Twelve. You know what happened? Who had to carry twelve baskets full of food? The disciples. Every one of those disciples are toting a miraculous basket of food. They saw a miracle like no other because they were like, how are we going to feed them, Lord? He goes, I got it. So when it's over, they're leaving with every one of them carrying a, high, a whole basket of food. Now, that's right before this. I mean, this is 14 all the way to 18. And right after that, the verse starts with, Immediately, immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead. I mean, immediately. They came from that, holding a basket, to they're getting in a boat. The word says immediately. He made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of Galilee. After this, he dismisses the crowd and he goes to a mountain. So far, pretty normal. But it's about to get good here. Later that night, if you read it, a storm cranks up. Matthew records that there was violent waves and strong wind because he's detailed. Let me remind you of something. Matthew was sitting in that boat. Okay? Get a, get a full grip of that too. Because all the disciples were in the boat. So Matthew, he didn't hear about this story. He was there. Matthew records that there was a violent wave, strong wind. They were experienced fishermen and storms in this are, not, are, are common. Now Matthew was an experienced fisherman. He was a tax collector. I bet his little self was shaking. He lived a privileged life. But still the sea had claimed many lives and it wasn't something to be messed with. It's getting interesting. As dawn approaches and the faintest light starts appearing, Jesus decides to go to the disciples. He needed to tell them something. How did he get there? He walked there on the water, on the still stormy water. Jesus walks on toward the disciples in the boat, and they were a long way off. Disciples couldn't really tell who it was as they were walking to him. They assumed that it was a ghost, a common superstition, because they felt like when people died, they got dumped in the water because they had it all in their mind. See, the spirit of fear, they begin to say, oh, it's got to be a ghost. I mean, this is a ghost. Is it a ghost? Matthew's probably going, oh, I know it's a ghost. I mean, all of them shaking in that boat. These are the same men that just carry the baskets of bread and fish and the leftovers. They didn't know what they saw, but certainly they, they didn't think it was Jesus. You can read it. I'm in Matthew 14, 26. I'm just going to go straight to the story. I can't blame them. I mean, Lordy, mercy. I freaked out over a little low oxygen and can't breathe. Knowing their fear, Jesus calls out to him and says, Take courage, don't be afraid, Matthew 14, 27. Jesus responds and says, It's me, it's I. I mean, he could have said, God, what? what? What are you so fearful of? These words are a term that he used all the time. It is I, it is me. I say who I am. Jesus is saying to the disciples, fear not, because I'm here. If you, would, if you could stop this story right now, it'd be enough. Jesus walks on water. 
it's good enough. If we stopped right here. Peter is known for being a little bit headstrong, kind of like me. He's quick to speak before he thinks it through, and that's gotten him in trouble a lot of times. So Peter responds to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, tell, tell me to come over there. No, and he wouldn't. I mean, he's not going to walk on the water. But look how kind of Peter's like, hey, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. He wasn't expecting this. Jesus said, come on. Ooh. He's probably looking at that water. The other guys are going, I mean, they clearly hurt. They're like, okay. They must have. I mean, I know we like to criticize Peter for what happens next, but, but hang on. In the middle of the strong winds and waves, Peter trust Jesus to step out of the boat. He had lots of faith at that moment. Because none of the other disciples decided to get out of there. I mean, they're just saying, I, he, didn't tell, he wasn't talking to me. I mean, you're the one asking the question. He said, come. I mean, he didn't tell us to come. Matthew 14, 30 interrupts with this incredible moment. He says, as Peter walks in the water, he starts to notice how powerful the wind and waves are. And he takes his eyes off Jesus. He gets distracted. The circumstances were too much. He probably looked at this and went, oh, Lordy mercy. And he sinks. And Peter's doubt was about to take him out. I know that later on, had we not went through, we like not me. If I was not read, push it back. If someone was so strong in their faith said, K has a spirit of fear. I mean, who would say that really? I'm their pastor. But they said, K has a spirit of fear. Handle it. Read the word. So if I was going to stop right here... Uh, it just gets on better and better. And Matthew 14, 29, he starts walking. Matthew records that he was afraid as he began to sink. And he hollers, Lord, save me. Jesus doesn't wait. Matthew 31 says immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And Peter was safe. All was good. Jesus rebuked him for his weak faith. It was stronger than that of the other disciples who remained in the boat. Still, this isn't his last miracle because as soon as Jesus and Peter climbed back in the boat, everything got calm. The waves calmed down. The wind simmered down. So here's the miracles here. Jesus walked on water. Peter walked on water. And there was a calming of the storm. Incredible. It's not the miracles, it's the disciples' worship of Jesus. They all started worshiping. And if we turn to Matthew 14, 33, let me read it. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the first time that the disciples had called him the Son of God. They didn't just say, maybe you are God. Truly. You are the Son of God. Now, they've been following him for a while now. 
Peter's walk on the water teaches us in the middle of the storms, we can have peace if we keep our eyes on Jesus. And you're sitting here thinking, I don't need this sermon. I'm strong in who I am. I would never have fear over anything. I'm strong. I have faith. I read my Bible. I pray. I go to church every Sunday. So do I. So do I. Just like the Apostle Peter, sometimes we step out of the boat and and then we get so overcome by fear, we sink. But let me tell you, Jesus is right there to catch you. You might stumble, but you're not going to drown. My guess the next time Peter stepped out of the boat, he did it a lot more confidently. And my guess the next time I get so sick because I do have a little breathing thing, I'm going to say, Jimmy, (laughs) Psalms 91, let's take care of this right now. Peter was confident he's going to walk on water. Next time I'm not going to just say there go, oh my gosh, should we go to the hill? Oh, should we go? I'm going to open the Bible. I'll ask Jimmy or Jimmy's going to come up and say, Psalms 91. And my faith will be so much stronger because if God did it before, he'll do it again. He will do it again. But when you have the spirit of fear, you're paralyzed in that. Oh, my gosh. I'm just being honest and real. I want to tell you that I'm a pastor, but I'm a real person. I have real hurts. I have real worries. I couldn't wait to check my phone because Molly's been sick. And this morning, I checked it and she's going to church. Jimmy just said, Go, we're going to church. Molly's fine. God, you're so faithful every time. God, I thank you for who you are. God, it's the spirit of fear. I, don't, I just think it's fear. Like people tell you that's false evidence appearing real and that's good. I say that all the time. But it is a spirit of fear that happens on you. You have to address that spirit of fear. And you might, exactly, exactly, Second Timothy. You must. Would you put up second? I think you're already queued for the next thing. It might be too late, but that's good. You must know what you're dealing with. And the only way you can deal with something like this is through the word of God. That's the only way you're going to do it. You can't really pray at that point because it's still all in your mind. and You can't do this. You have to open the word of God because it's alive. And you have to declare it as you know that it will happen. And you have to get in the word. There's no way. You cannot fight this by yourself. Get in the word. Oh, man. And I just sat there going, I, really? I mean, really? Wouldn't you hate to be Jimmy Sims when I have COVID? I have a spirit of fear. I have COVID, dude. 
No, you, I just had a call, and she said, you, you do. You better deal with it, folks, because it will grow in you. If you do not deal with it, it will grow. I found this video with three of my people. You're going to recognize their voices if you listen to this, but, man, I love it. It's a little long, but I'm not going to tell you how long, so you don't have to leave early. And it's powerful. For the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Self-discipline of opening the Word. Thank you, God. Go ahead. We thank you, God. Get ready. We got some Pentecost vibes fixing to drop down in here. Come on. When you got Haggy talking, you're fixing to like, what? I blew that on you last week. I just laid the groundwork for this week. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with it. Jesus Christ commanded the church to fear not. Fear is mentioned in the Bible over 600 times. It's no small subject in the Word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, Abraham to John on the Isle of Patmos, we hear that commandment given over and over, fear not. That command was given to Abraham. That command was given to Israel. That command was given to Moses. It was given to David who ran from Saul for years, who lived in caves before he became a king. That command was given to Daniel who was going into the lion's den. That command was given to the city of Jerusalem. The angel Gabriel gave that message to Mary, to Peter who was sinking in the swirling tide of the Sea of Galilee, to Paul who had been on a ship for 14 days and it looked like all would be lost. The angel of the Lord appeared and said, Fear not, fear not, fear not. Every time you see in the Bible, fear not, which is all over the Bible, Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the main reason that the Bible gives for us not fearing is to know that God is with us and that if he's with us, he loves us and he will take care of us. But God says over and over, fear not, for I am with you. Remember, we're not talking about not having the feeling of fear. We're talking about not letting it stop you. We can't live our lives in fear and dread of what's going on and what's going to happen. Satan wants us to shrink back in fear and live little, tiny, useless lives. But God wants us to be brave and bold. Do not be afraid. It is said in different ways, different variations, but it's basically the same thing. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Be fearless. Fear ye not. Over and over and over again in different ways. God wants to say to us the exact same thing. In fact, it is so critical and so important to him that he gets to the New Testament and Paul writes a letter to a young man named Timothy. And he says, Tim, this is what you need to know. That he has not given us a spirit of fear. He says, of all the important things, Timothy, that you need to know in your life and in this ministry that God is sending you through, too, as you go through things in this journey of life that you will inevitably go through, he says, would you remember that what our God does not give is fear? 
He gives power and love and a sound mind. Fear is a real thief in our lives. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, there's nothing to fear. Well, isn't that interesting? For I am with you. That's the only answer he gives, because I'm with you. And so if we really know who the Lord is, I'm not talking about just going to church, but I mean, if you really know who the Lord is, then we don't have to know what he's going to do. We don't have to know when he's going to do it. We don't have to know what the way is going to be. We just say, Lord, I know you're with me, and therefore I can do what I need to do. Because when fear causes you to stop and to do nothing, it's the master spirit, I believe, that the enemy uses to try to keep us from fulfilling our destiny. And so he, he tells us there's no way. He says, you you got to be afraid of this. You know, if you fail before, then you got to be afraid that you're going to fail again. But God says, fear not, for I am with you. I love that. There's nothing to fear. Do not look around you in terror and be dismayed. You know, it's one of our problems. We look around us too much instead of looking up. The more you stare at your problems, the more you rehearse your problems, the bigger they're going to get. Every time you go through something difficult, it makes you a little bit stronger. Just a little bit stronger. Fear is a fact of life. Fear of the future. Fear of danger. Fear of the past. Others fear the loss of their job, the loss of your health. There's a sudden and unexplainable pain, and it brings fear to your mind. Some of you fear the loss of position, the loss of self-esteem. You fear failure. You fear the criticism of other people. You fear exposure. You fear being disliked. There's a fear of death. There's the fear of the unknown. The era of human history is the era of anxiety and fear. When the fear knocks at your door, send faith to answer and no one will be there. Isaiah wrote, I will trust and I will not be afraid. We have to understand that fear, first of all, is a demonic spirit. It's not from God. I think it's the enemy's favorite tool in his toolbox. The sole purpose of which is to keep us from making progress and going forward. Fear's whole design is to stop you in your tracks or to drive you back where you came from instead of you going forward and becoming all that God wants you to be. If we believe that our God does not give a spirit of fear, but you find or I find in my life that there is a spirit of fear attached to something specific in your life or in your journey. An opportunity that you're intimidated by, a relationship, an endeavor, a ministry, a, um, an interest of yours that just seems to cause you to feel a little bit paralyzed in insecurity or, fe or fear. If you and I know what we know now based on the scriptures that God does not give fear. But you sense that there is a spirit of fear attached to something in your life. And you know God didn't give it. That means you know who did. And if the enemy has placed a spirit of fear on something in your life. It must mean 
that he is trying his best to keep you away from something. And if he's trying to keep you away from it, that must mean there's something in it that he does not want you to have. He wants you and I to be so paralyzed, so crippled, so disarmed, so disinterested from the very thing that he knows is exactly what God wants to take you through so that he can bring you to a new place in him. Do not be afraid. A believer in Jesus Christ can only have one attitude toward fear, and this must be their attitude. I will not fear. I will not fear. Fear prevents forward progress. Is there anyone here who ever feels like that you have let fear keep you from doing what you know you were supposed to be doing? I beg you not to give up, but to press through and to be all that God wants you to be. Do all that He wants you to do so you can have all that He wants you to have. The reason why you have no reason to be afraid, my friend, as God calls you to go here or do that or go through this particular thing in your life is not because you're so capable. It's not because you're so prepared. It is because you have a daddy who loves you. He has already gone behind the scenes. He has already orchestrated and uh, manipulated events and people and circumstances so that all he needs is a woman that's willing to say, yes, Lord, and stand there at the plate of his grace and his glory and his uh, calling on your life and to do what he's called you to do. And if you and I will just do it, we will realize we've been set up to hit a home run every single time. So if right now there is something crippling you, the enemy is working overtime to cause you to be afraid in your life. Will you hear this message from the Holy Spirit today? Step up to the plate. Do not be afraid. Your God has got your back. If God is for us, then what difference does it make, really, who's against us? Because God is certainly greater than anything or anybody that could come against us. And you know, I think that where we get into trouble is we believe that God is for other people but are we sure that he's for us can I tell you something you having a problem is not a sign that God doesn't care it does not mean that God doesn't see you it does not mean that he does not care about you he wants to help you in your time of need and trouble we give the enemy access to our life through fear and we give God access to our life through faith we don't have to be afraid of things God will take care of us whatever's coming up in your future even the stuff that you don't know about God will take care of you come on I said God will take care of you get it in your head God will take care of you amen and that's really all we need to know. God's going to take care of us. God has not given us a spirit of fear. I'm telling you, I give you permission. When you see someone struggling, when you see someone struggling, and you recognize that it is a spirit, Husbands, wives, whomever, friends, I give you permission 
discern that and say, you have the spirit of fear. Call it out and move and get rid of it. Prayer warriors, I need for you to come. Michael, you're a prayer warrior. We'll just pray during this time. Sorry, Michael. Okay, not sorry. You're fixing to be blessed by this. Clippers. Lee. Okay. I'm telling you, if you're battling fear, they're going to call it out. They're going to call it out. You have two choices. You can slip through the back and get your car and peel out. Or you can come up here for prayer and deal with it now. I'm just open and honest. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that today we are exposing the enemy with your light so bright that we will not... We will not have to deal with this much more. We will recognize it. And our faith will grow because of it. No more fear. I thank you for a stronger faith. Not to say that the next time it happens, I need a reminder. I'm just saying. Because I do life just like you do. Got a mom that's sick. I got grandkids. I got one in college in a liberal town. I mean, I got it. But God will deal with it. Come up for prayer. Come up for prayer. God, you're good. We spend way too much time worrying about it.